All right, fellas, another week, another edition of the Student Section Podcast, the college football show by the fan for the fan. This is episode number 22. It's now Friday, August 18th, 2023. We are a week away from week zero, and we roll on with our conference previews today. We are talking all things Big 12. But before we get into that, just a few minor announcements. Always remember, we drop new episodes every single Friday. Next Friday, we're going to be previewing the Pac-12 as well as talking about Week Zero, all that's going to unfold, best bets, predictions, you name it. Follow us on Instagram at Student Section CFB for 24-7, up-to-the-minute college football coverage. A lot of interactive content on there as well. Go to our blog at thestudentsection.net. If you like reading about college football, we are starting up a newsletter where you can get college football content delivered to your inbox every single week. Subscribe to the show. We are now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all your favorite platforms, YouTube as well now. Download the show, rate it, share it with your friends, all that good stuff, folks. I don't want to waste too much more time here because as you know, with the past two conference previews we've done, whether that be the Big Ten or the ACC, you know that we have a lot to talk about. So we're going to jump into it with the Big 12 preview. Enjoy, folks. It is time to talk everything Big 12, ladies and gentlemen. If you haven't watched the previous two preview shows where we break down the ACC and the Big 10, we go by a little bit of a structure with this, although we really don't stay too tight to it, but I'll give you the quick rundown so you can skip around throughout the podcast to the section you want to listen to. We're going to start off with the overall state of the conference, the business side of things, the television deal, potential expansion, potential teams, the conference may be losing all that boring stuff before we jump into the on-field product where we're going to first talk about the biggest Big 12 storylines for this coming season. Some of the stories I think could play a big role in the way this conference shakes out over the course of the year. Then we've got four games that I think will shape the conference throughout the schedule, followed by my first team preseason all Big 12 teams, offense, defense, special teams, you name it. Then we've got the conference power rankings to close things out, which will take the most time out of the show. But before we get into all of that, we have to talk about the state of the conference because the Big 12, in case you haven't been living under a rock, has been one of the biggest movers in this grand scheme of realignment and conference restructuring. And I don't want to give the Big 12 too much too much crap here because... In a way, I do think the Big 12 saved us, and I do think that we owe a bit of credit to Brett Yormark and company over there, and I'll explain why. For a while, I talked about this on Twitter, it really looked like the SEC and the Big 10 were going to pull away and separate themselves from the field as the two main conferences in college football. We'd have 30-team super conferences. We'd pretty much have an NFL situation where there's two conferences with all the best teams, and those are the only teams that are going to get a shot to win it all. And the Big 12 threw their hat in the ring and kind of put a wrinkle in those plans. Whether those conferences had those plans or not, that will never be known. But the Big 12 preserved some sort of sanctity that we had left in college football. Even though we're, we're largely 
throwing tradition into the fire here with this conference realignment, I think that the consensus amongst fans is if the Big Ten and ACC got their way, or the Big Ten and SEC, excuse me, we would have a lot less traditional landscape. And the Big 12 really stepped in the way of that, really said, no, 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 no. We're going to give some of these smaller schools a shot. And now they have firmly asserted themselves as the third main power conference in college football right now, where the Pac-12 is a sinking ship. And it obviously remains to be seen what the ACC is doing. But just going over their moves, it was announced, obviously, a while back that Texas and Oklahoma would be leaving for the SEC effective 2024. So this is their last season in the conference. And that was the move that kind of set this whole conference realignment sort of scheme or plan, whatever you want to call it, in motion. And ever since, it's been an avalanche of teams effectively putting themselves in the transfer portal and leaving conferences. The Big 12 has added a couple squads for this upcoming season, those being Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, and Houston. They are joining the conference effective this year, so they are listed in our power rankings. The Big 12 also bringing on a flurry of schools from the Pac-12, being Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. So the conference is going to have 18 teams starting next year, if my math is correct. And they're in good hands financially and in terms of an on-field product for the foreseeable future. And I honestly think that the Big 12 this year and next year, that's going to be some of the more exciting football in the country. It's a conference with a broad geographical footprint and a broad footprint in terms of the overall styles that we're going to see on the field, I really do think there's a perfect mix of different teams with different styles, different ways of playing the game, different offenses. I really think the Big 12 is kind of the wet dream for a fan that's seeking versatility, a fan that's seeking a new experience every Saturday when they sit down on the couch to watch college football. So I'm definitely more optimistic than not about the future of the Big 12. I can't wait to see where the league goes. That's enough boring business realignment stuff. It's time to talk about the on-field situation, and we're going to lead things off with our four biggest storylines in the Big 12. And the first storyline is going to have me talking like a broken record by the end of this show because it's obviously the biggest question in everyone's mind going into every single Big 12 football season, and that's, is Texas finally back? In my opinion, this Texas team has the most talented top-to-bottom roster in the entire Big 12. I mean, I don't even think it's close, really, between them and the number two team. You've got an All-American quarterback, Quinn Ewers, two All-American wide receivers now, A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy. You've got a superstar defense, guys like Jalen Ford, Baron Sorrell, Byron Murphy on the interior. You've got a stud offensive line blocking for you. You've got one of the, the nation's best tight ends in Jatavion Sanders. All of the pieces are there. For Texas this year, and I'll talk about it more in the power rankings, but the question now is, are they going to play down to their competition like they seem to do every single year? The The schedule certainly isn't as favorable for them to be back as they have five conference games on the road. But again, if we're looking at things from a pure on paper talent standpoint, who's the best team? Who's the highest overall in Madden, so to speak? I think that's a good comparison to make. It's going to be Texas. This roster has too much talent not to finally get over the hump in their final year in the Big 12. After an 8-5 and season last year, they're going to Alabama early in the season. 
They're playing Oklahoma, obviously, in the Red River shootout. They're playing Baylor early on in their conference schedule. They have a lot of tough games to overcome on the schedule, but they are by far the most talented team in the conference. Storyline number two is the Venables dilemma, or the Venables dilemma, excuse me, because I think Oklahoma, despite being in just year two of the Brent Venables era, is at a bit of a crossroads because obviously last season is not what they had in mind. Six and seven, three and six in the conference with a first year head coach. A lot of turnover on that roster, whether it's new quarterback, brand new defense, brand new scheme, whatever you want to say. But that is not the standard at Oklahoma. So I don't think a lot of Oklahoma fans, even if it's a, a slim turnaround where Oklahoma posts like an eight and five record, that's not going to cut it. You cannot keep lowering the standard at a program notorious for winning the conference, reaching the playoff, coming off one of their most dominant stretches in program history. So I think Oklahoma might be at a bit of a crossroads where I'm not saying uh, Venable's job is in jeopardy, but Oklahoma needs to find a sense of direction this year. And that's going to come much easier with a very successful season. I think last year left them with more questions than answers, obviously, There hasn't been that much done to the roster over the offseason in comparison to some of the other teams in the league. So Oklahoma, they're at a crossroads. That is the Venables dilemma. They need to find themselves a direction. Storyline number three is going to be all about the newcomers in this conference. Houston, Cincinnati, BYU, UCF. I have them all projected towards the back half of the conference in my Big 12 power rankings that we'll talk about later in the show. But I think these are teams that, as I mentioned earlier in the show, because of the contrasting styles and the new looks they're going to provide, might be able to make a little bit of noise in this conference. And I look at a team like UCF as the perfect opportunity to do so. This team, surprisingly, has a lot of depth with Gus Malzahn in his third year. He's got a solid 18-9 and record with the Knights, but they've bounced around from conference to conference. They've won seemingly wherever they've went, whether that's with Scott Frost, whatever coach they've had, now it's Malzahn. And you look at some of the players in this team, you look at some of the talent that they've got, they've got a dominant downhill run game. They've got John Rice Plumley, who's a veteran passer. This is a team that's going to dominate tempo, five and a half yards per carry or more last year. And when they do that, they go five and oh. There's so many good offensive linemen that have pro potential on this team, starting off with guys like Marcellus Marshall, On the defensive end, it's Ricky Barber, Tremont Morris Brash off the edge. There's a lot of NFL caliber players in this team that I don't think people are talking about because they've flown under the radar. But I really, really like teams like UCF to make some noise in the Big 12 come this season. Final storyline we're going to talk about is who can be TCU 2.0, if anyone. Obviously, I had TCU projected in the middle of the pack in last year's Big 12 Power Rankings. They were unranked to start the season. In most metrics, they were a top 40 team in the country, top 50 team in the country. And they absolutely come out of nowhere, storm their way into a national title game. And then we obviously don't need to talk about what happened in that game. But a benchmark, a landmark season for TCU. And my question heading into this year is who could potentially be that team that carries the mantle a bit of a cinderella story if you will and the direction i look is teams like texas tech teams like kansas teams like oklahoma state i just mentioned ucf 
Even Kansas State's not getting as much buzz as people, or as they deserve, I should say. So I think if any conference is going to produce one of those Cinderella-like teams, it's going to be the Big 12 because the conference is not top-heavy at all. There's a lot of balance in this league, and I could say the same for the Pac-12 as well, but I think it's a lot less likely that a story like that comes out of the Big 10 or SEC. So those are my four main storylines. Again, is Texas back? The Venomals Dilemma, The Newcomers, and TCU 2.0. Now we're going to move on to my four games that shape the Big 12 this year. And even though it's not a Big 12 game, I think the first one on my list is fairly obvious, and that's Texas at Alabama on the 9th of September. I think this is one of those games early in the season where you're going to be able to see where Texas is at sooner rather than later. And this is a game that could absolutely derail their potential bid at a playoff or absolutely send it to the moon. So we talked about this in the ACC preview in the the week one game between FSU and LSU. I think this is another game like that where these are two teams with playoff ambitions, Texas and Alabama, two blue blood programs, and they could potentially have their season ended during the third week of the season or second week, technically. I love these high stakes early season games because you don't get a lot of time to round into midseason form. It's skill on skill. Again, it's two teams with playoff aspirations, national title aspirations, one who's trying to stay on top, one who's trying to break through to that next level and get on top. Should be a very interesting game. These two teams are both going to want it, obviously. I can't wait for that week two game. That's going to be my game of the week that week. But moving on now to my second game to watch in the Big 12 this year, and it's another pretty obvious one. Oklahoma, Texas at the Cotton Bowl, the Red River shootout. This is a game where Oklahoma really has to remind everyone of who they are. And this is one of the most viewed games in college football every single year, this Red River shootout. And Texas is a team who has to, for the first time, as I just talked about with the Alabama game, leap onto that stage, break through to that next level, shatter the glass ceiling. Oklahoma, on the other hand, is taking a step back over the last year or so, and this game is always, every single year, a statement game for one of these two programs. One of these programs is going to either remind the nation of who they are or let the nation know of their new identity, and I think it's a phenomenal opportunity early enough in the season, right ahead the halfway point for both of these teams. Moving on on the 14th, I've got the defending champs, the K-State Wildcats against the Texas Tech Red Raiders in Lubbock. This is another game that's very interesting on the Big 12 schedule, and it can be quite uh, quite polarizing because these are two teams that, even though Kansas State won the conference last year, I think all the onus is on Texas and Oklahoma. I don't see anybody paying attention at all to Kansas State. And I mean, Texas Tech, it's a little bit more warranted that people aren't paying attention to them. But, But Kansas State won the conference a year ago and is returning more talent than perhaps anyone in the league. Texas Tech, on the other hand is a team that I predict could be a potential dark horse in the Big 12 this season. I absolutely love what Joey McGuire's doing there. Tyler Shaw is back. We'll obviously talk about him in the power rankings, but Texas Tech, up-and-comer in the conference, and Kansas State, team looking to defend their title. Halfway through the season, this is a big game, hostile environment. I think this one could have cataclysmic impact on the standings. And then the last game... I think you should take a good hard look at on this Big 12 schedule also includes the Wildcats because it's TCU and Kansas State 
on the 21st of October. TCU, absolutely nobody knows what to expect this year. Obviously, they went into the national championship last year, 13 wins, lost the Big 12 title. Now they get a rematch against Kansas State who beat them in that game and what a game it was. These are two teams that I think are built to play against each other. I think they're built very similar ways from the inside out, but this is a game that I'm definitely going to have circled on my calendar because not only of the rivalry and historic implications, but because of the level that both of these teams could be at by the end of the season. Because again, this is one that's later in the calendar. You're going to know exactly who both of these teams are by now. And this one could be a do or die game for who reaches the conference championship game. Because remember, no divisions. That what make, that's what makes the Big 12 so great. Let's move on now to my preseason all Big 12 teams. All right, all Big 12 teams time. We're going to start out on offense, 11 guys here. Then we're going to switch to defense, 11 guys there. And we also have three specialists, a kicker, punter, and returner. You know how this goes by now. Leading things off with the offense, and again, I'm not going to waste too much time talking about why I selected every player, but rest assured, I almost wanted to include a second team or honorable mentions list here because there were so many close battles in the Big 12, and the first one was at quarterback. I ended up going with Quinn Ewers from Texas, but let me tell you, I took a serious look at Jalen Daniels of Kansas. I took a serious look at Dylan Gabriel of Oklahoma. I think think Daniels was a bit closer to landing this spot on the first team offense, but ultimately I decided to go with Quinn Ewers and his two running backs are going to be Devin Neal of Kansas and Treshawn Ward of Kansas State. Man, Treshawn Ward just reminds me so much of Deuce Vaughn. The versatility, that Swiss Army knife style, I can't wait to watch him play. And Devin Neal is a bit more of a traditional back, if you will, but he should be absolutely electric to watch that Kansas run game is going to be no joke this year. My three receivers are Xavier Worthy of Texas and his teammate A.D. Mitchell at the wide receiver one and two. Then I've got Brennan Presley from Oklahoma State. Again, there was a lot of contention at receiver. Ultimately decided to go with this trio, but I feel like there were so many names that I could have gone with. Tight end was an obvious one. No consideration for anyone else. I did go with Jatavion Sanders of Texas. My my two offensive tackles are Kingsley Suamatia of BYU. I hope I'm saying that right. I always butcher those last names. And my other offensive tackle is Kelvin Banks Jr. of Texas. Again, that was an obvious one. He should be the best tackle in the conference this season. At guard is a guy I think is going to be the best offensive lineman, period, in the conference this season. That's Cooper Beebe of Kansas State. And his teammate, Hadley Panzer, is at the other offensive guard spot. We round out the offense with the center. That's West Virginia's Zach Frazier. The offensive line was a little bit more set in stone than the skill positions. I think the Big uh, Big 12's got a lot of strong talent on the offensive line. Let's move on to the defensive front now. Two interior linemen and two edge rushers. My two interior guys are going to be all-name team member Dante Corleone of Cincinnati and Jalen Hutchings of Texas Tech. Corleone was a bit of a more obvious pick there at defensive tackle, but Jalen Hutchings is one of my sleeper picks. I'm not sure a lot of the main outlets like ESPN and such have him on that first team. And then moving on to edge rushers, I have Gabe Hall of Baylor and Nelson Caesar of Houston. I know Gabe Hall is considered a linebacker by some, but I put him at the edge. My three linebackers are very strong. I absolutely love this group. Again, a guy that could be considered an edge rusher, but I put him at linebacker. Colin Oliver of Oklahoma State, you'll see him at both. 
Jalen Ford of Texas, who's by far the best linebacker in the conference. And then I put UCF's Jason Johnson at that third linebacker spot. Moving on to my DBs, I've got Josh Newton of TCU, Kobe Bryant, again, all th- uh, all name team member of Kansas, Kobe Savage of Kansas State, and Jaron Thompson of Texas are my two safeties. Just going to round it out with the specialists really quick. I've got TCU's Griffin Kell at kicker, although Burt Auburn from Texas did uh, get some consideration for that spot. Cincinnati's Mason Fletcher, the punter, and then Oklahoma State's Jaden Nixon at the return man spot. Really quickly, here's a number for how many guys each team got on the all Big 12 teams. I've got Texas with seven in first place, Kansas State in second with four, then I've got Oklahoma State in third with three, TCU, Kansas, and Cincinnati with two apiece, and then BYU, UCF, West Virginia, Baylor, and Houston all land on the list with one. It's everyone's favorite time now. Let's move on to the conference power rankings, the real meat and potatoes of the show. All right, power rankings time, everybody. And to no surprise, I have Texas in the number one spot. You should have seen that coming with the way I've been talking about them this whole show. But I I just cannot get over the amount of talent that Steve Sarkeesian and company have assembled on this roster. Just looking at things top to bottom, obviously the biggest loss is Bijan Robinson, but you have arguably the best quarterback and three receiver trio or tandem in the country with Quinn Ewers, Worthy, Mitchell, Whittington on that offense. There are so many, so many studs. And then the run game, I don't think is going to take such a monumental step back because I looked up these numbers here. Texas 8-2 when averaging over three yards a pop last year. 0-3 when they didn't get to three yards a carry. The offensive line going to be vastly improved this year, as I mentioned we just touched on it with our preseason all Big 12 teams. There's a lot to talent to like on that office, uh, offensive line, most namely Kelvin Banks at that tackle spot. He's going to be protecting Ewers' blindside and paving the way for the run. There's going to be a lot of outside stuff with Texas. It's a West Coast offense, power run, vertical throw. Sarkeesian knows what he's doing over there. The defense is also a bit of a question mark, but I think transfers like Ovi Ogofo from LSU or going to LSU, I think are going to really hurt them, but they have guys like Baron Sorrell on that defensive side that I think could really, really stunt that pass rush. The guy's 6'4", 262. He has the tools to be a breakout star. He was the team leader with five and a half sacks, 44 tackles a year ago, and I think he can really take things up another notch this year and be the MVP of this defense. Obviously, Jalen Ford, the linebacker, he's one of the best overall players in the Big 12. He is going to have absolutely no trouble at all. Jaron Thompson's a great staple for that secondary, although I do have some questions about how the corners are going to operate, especially in a Big 12 that has so many great pass throwers like the Will Howards of the world. But overall, I think this is a defense that's going to improve with time, although they aren't going to have much time to do it with the early matchup against Alabama. Still, this is all five-star talent that I'm talking about all over this defense. I can't see a world where if every team in this conference plays to their highest potential, Texas does not win the league. And look, hey, I know we do this every year. I know we have this discussion every single time. It's almost like a carousel every single year where we get back to the starting point and we say to ourselves, is this the year for Texas? Is this the year they finally break through? Is Texas back? And again, I'm not saying I'm bought into the Texas is back narrative and I think their placement in my preseason top 25 is going to show that once you see it, but... 
Again, I'm not bought into the hype at all. I'm merely stating that the potential is once again there. So that's all I'm going to say about Texas. I think that's a good point to close on. Let's move on to number two. Oh boy, I'm looking at the clock. That took a while. We're going to try to move quicker uh, with the rest of these teams. But anyways, number two, I've got the champs, Kansas State. They are also number 17 in my preseason top 25. If you've seen that on the Instagram, once again, at student section CFB for those who are not following. And my thing with Kansas State is I think there's more continuity from last year's title team that people care to admit. Even though Adrian Martinez is gone, Will Howard's going to have the job all to himself. He had a very, very strong showing in 2022. Deuce Vaughn departs for the NFL, but there's a lot of potential playmakers for Howard to work with on this offense, including the all-purpose stud Phillip Brooks and the big tight end Ben Sinat. And then you add Treshawn Ward into that offense coming in from Florida State. This offense is going to be just fine especially when you look at the strength of that offensive line. They've got two All-American candidates at tackle. Cooper Beebe could suit up in the NFL right now with how big and strong he is, but you you know what you're getting from this offense this year. I, I think people are playing the controversy and drama up a little bit more than they should. The defense is where the controversy is because you've got to find someone to replace the production of Felix Anadike Uzoma. Again, I hope I'm saying that name right. A guy like Khalid Duke could be the one to potentially fill that gap, fill that void coming off the edge. They also have Kobe Savage, the safety. He is an absolute stud in the secondary, and he's going to have his work cut out for him, anchoring a group that I don't think is very strong at the corner position. They are going to need all the help they can get from that safety spot, and I think Kobe Savage is just the guy to do so. But the defensive line is going to really have to carry them early on, and that's why I put so much emphasis on guys like Khalid Duke up front, because this secondary is young, It's inexperienced, and it's going to need time to come together. This team's linebackers, also a really, really talented group. There are so many studs in that core. They're young. But again, I I am not sold enough on that secondary to definitively say they can beat a team like Texas with the amount of wide receiver talent they have. So I think number two is a perfect spot for the defending champion Wildcats. A lot of people might hate me for this one, but I do have Texas Tech at the number three spot. And again, You're probably looking at me like, what on earth is he thinking? But hear me out, hear me out, because again, this is a a ranking for me that's largely based on what I think they're going to do this season rather than the stage they're at right now, if that makes sense. Because going into the season, this is not the third most talented roster in the Big 12 on paper. But let me tell you, this Texas Tech team has some absolute pull on the offensive side, on the defensive front. You name it, there's a lot of strength that this team can really build upon. And for the first time in a while, the vibes are high for this program. I love what Joey McGuire did last year, as I mentioned. And this squad's identity lies in that fast-paced offense. Obviously, Tyler Shaw is back. He's got all of his wideouts back. I believe his top five weapons are all back. That's including all Big 12 talent, Jaran Bradley. Todd Brooks is going to be in the backfield He is one of the shiftiest backs in the game. The offensive line is where the question marks are, but with a guy like Brooks, a quarterback like Shao, I think that team is going to progress just fine. They do have an early season test against Oregon, which I think is going to be an absolute hell of a game, and I cannot wait to see how they fare against a top-tier opponent like Oregon. The defense is a bit more, I don't want to say unproven, because there are guys like Hutchings that we talked about on that unit that are proven, but replacing Tyree Wilson and his production is going to be at the top of the docket. 
I don't know if Hutchings can do that on his own. I've looked at teams, I've looked at players up and down this roster that can potentially be that key player on the defensive end. And I don't know if I have a definitive one yet, although I like guys like Tony Bradford, uh, the defensive tackle, and Steve Linton off the edge. Malik Dunlap is going to lead a very strong secondary, albeit a very inexperienced secondary, but I don't think he should have a problem with guys like Dadry and Taylor Demerson at safety. And they also got Dre McCray at wide receiver. That's another guy I forgot to mention. He's coming in from Austin P. so add him to that core for Tyler Shaw. I know I'm bouncing all over the place with this team, but I think there is so much talent for them to build around, and I think any one of these position groups can be their identity this year. I think Texas Tech is versatile enough to really make some noise. Coming in at number four, I've got TCU, the Frogs. And this was a team that I really struggled to rank, both in my preseason top 25 and in these power rankings. I ended up putting them at 21, right behind Texas Tech at 20 in the preseason top 25. Because look, this is a team that's obviously going to take a sizable step back this year after going 13-2 and and appearing in the national title game. But I don't think that should take away from how talented this roster is and how much potential I think they have. You may have forgotten about the prowess of Chandler Morris at quarterback, but a lot of people don't remember. This is the guy that beat out Max Duggan for the job before getting hurt. The running back room's really strong. It's one of the deepest in the country as well. There's three, four options that I really like, but the ones I like the most are Trey Sanders, Imani Bailey, and Trent Battle. Those guys are all going to compete for carries. The receiving court obviously loses Quentin Johnston to the NFL, but they have Quentin Johnston 2.0 waiting behind him. 6'6", senior Savion Williams, That guy is almost a physical carbon copy of Quentin Johnston. He is going to emerge as the top target for Chandler Morris sooner rather than later. He's going to enter the passing game along with the tight end, Jared Wiley, who's another name I really like to make noise this year. Defensively, there's a lot of young talent like the star-studded freshman, Demonic Williams and Paul Oyewale. Tackling machine, Johnny Hodges. He's back at the linebacker spot. One of the most notable pieces to return from that national title reaching squad. The back half of the schedule is absolutely loaded for the team. And you look at their last five games here, Kansas State, Texas Tech, Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor. That's a gauntlet, but there's no reason that they can't waltz out to a solid 5-0 record. Colorado, Nichols, Houston, SMU, West Virginia, and Iowa State before they match up with BYU about halfway through the season. So TCU could come on strong again. And I don't think I don't want you to forget about them because they might lose a game or two more than last year. This is a very strong squad. I know you've been waiting to hear their name at number five. I do have the Oklahoma Sooners, and I know I spent a lot of time uh, dragging them, so to speak, in my preseason storylines. And that's because I'm really skeptical of this team because I don't think they did enough to fix their most glaring weaknesses. This is a team that went 0-6 when giving up more than 200 rushing yards. And, you know, a lot of teams don't do that six times. But this is a team that didn't really do much to address those needs. I like that they brought in a guy like Rondell Bothroyd from Wake Forest, but I don't think he's quite ready to compete at the Big 12 level. A guy like Walter Rouse on the offensive tackle side, he's going to provide a lot of power for the offense to work with. And I love Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. They've got a really versatile offense, solid run game, good downhill attack. They can stretch the field, but that defense really really worries me. They obviously lost one of their top linebackers in David Oguegbu to Houston. That is such a tough one to pronounce. I'm I'm losing it with these pronunciations this episode, guys, but that's a transfer 
that I don't think a lot of teams can recover from, especially in the state that they were stopping the run. This is going to be an Oklahoma team that's going to be very reminiscent of the old school Big 12. And I know that's kind of counterintuitive with Brent Venables being your head coach, but there's no reason they can't score 40 a game. There's also no reason why they can't give up 40 a game. That's my take on OU. Let's move on. At number six, I probably have the most fun team in the entire Big 12, and that's the Kansas Jayhawks, who probably had the most entertaining six and seven season of all time last year. I think myself and everyone surrounding college football were rooting for them to qualify for a bowl game, but they return a lot of talent, most notably a guy like Jalen Daniels on the offensive side, and they bring in a lot of reinforcements on the offensive line to help them out. They get Logan Brown, who's a proven guy from OLU in Wisconsin over there in the Big Ten. He's going to be blocking for an absolutely stellar attack with Devin Neal and Jalen Daniels. That is going to be one of the toughest rushing attacks to stop in the whole entire conference. Defensively, Kobe Bryant is a guy at corner that you can potentially build around, although I do think the front is definitely going to need to be addressed. They lose a guy I really liked in Alec Gilliard to UConn. They have a bunch of keys up front that I think they can work with. They've got DJ Withers, uh, Caleb Taylor up front. Again, two guys, not the most proven, but definitely could break out with the number of holes on that defensive line. Overall, Kansas is going to be out, uh, be able to outscore a lot of teams. They block well. They're going to get blocked really well. Kind of a similar case as Oklahoma, if you will. But I absolutely like their chances to qualify for a bowl game this year. So I decided to put Baylor up here at number seven because I think they are due for a breakout. And I think their early season schedule is going to really, really help with that. Obviously, last year, they got absolutely destroyed with that end of their schedule there with Kansas State, TCU and Texas on the road all back to back. But I really like the way the schedule shapes up for Baylor. And the issue in past years under Dave Aranda has been that they haven't been able to get the defense in order fast enough for some really tough matchups early in the calendar. But I really like the way that it stacks up for Baylor in order to do so. They've got the Barrington brothers on offense now. They were 44th nationally in total offense last year with an okay running game. But I think that offensive line is going to do wonders in seeing them shoot up those rankings so we're halfway through we're gonna go quicker with the remaining teams I have an Oklahoma State at number eight and they're a team I really struggled to place because they have some real real talent at a lot of positions but they just don't have the depth that I typically look for in a team that I'm going to put in the top half of a conference power rankings they have a great pass rush although I don't think that run defense is going to hold up very well they bring in a good offensive tackle in Dalton Cooper from Texas State. He's going to really help out their run game that has been so strong. And they also bring in Alan Bowman, the Michigan man, to help out at quarterback. He's going to be one of the key players on this team this year, although I'm not sure how the jump in competition from being a third stringer to a potential starting quarterback in the Big 12, how he's going to handle that. Ninth, I've got TCU, or excuse me, UCF. Again, a team that's very young, has a lot of high ceiling talent, a lot of highly touted guys that I really like. Does it come together quick enough to contend for a Big 12, maybe score some big upsets? They open their season with a really tough game against the defending conference champion in Kansas State. They have guys that should be able to disrupt against that strong K-State offensive line and guys like Tremont Morris, Brash, Ricky Barber, even Jason Johnson, the star linebacker, should help out a lot. Uh, help out a lot. But I don't know if things come together quick enough offensively for UCF to make that noise. Number 10, I've got BYU. BYU is a very, very interesting team 
because they had some really, really notable wins last year and played in some really, really high stakes games going eight and five in the eighth year of Kalani Sataki. 56 and 34 in his tenure, by the way, not a shabby record at all. I don't particularly know how they're going to adjust to facing Big 12 competition, but they're going to need to find a pass rush, which was one of their weaknesses in last season's losses. Zero sacks in their five losses combined. And against these highly touted Big 12 passers, that's just something they're going to need to improve on if they want to even come close to breaking 500 in the Big 12. Next up, I have Iowa State. This was a team that I really struggled putting amongst the newcomers in the conference, but I opted to throw them at 11. Then rounding out 12, 13, 14 in order, Cincinnati, Houston, and West Virginia. Those three teams at the bottom just going through a bit too much of an overhaul, whether it's in the coaching side of things or the schematic side of things, for me to definitively put or say that they're going to be able to perform at a high level. Anyways, folks, that's all for today's episode of the Student Section Podcast. Remember, we are going to be back next Friday with a preview of the Pac-12, as well as a breakdown of all things that are going to be happening in week zero. New episodes every Friday. You can find us on Instagram at student section CFB or online at the student section.net. Always subscribe to the show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all your favorite platforms, you name it. Download the show, rate, review us, share us with your friends. That way we can get more interaction, more eyes on this show. That's all for me this week, folks. Until next week when we break down all things college football for the first time all year when it pertains to actual games, I'll see you guys soon.